I'm back. In this episode of Legendary Life, I want to talk a little bit about my experience doing my first keynote speech. As many of you know, last week, last Wednesday, April 13th, I was giving a keynote speech to the network of executive women on why taking smart risks leads to success and happiness. And I even did an episode right before I went, the day of, right before, just a couple hours before I hopped on the plane. And I received some great feedback from that. So John, thank you. Uh, and uh, I appreciate it. And a couple of other people reached out as well and told me that they really enjoyed the episode. Chris and Bruce, uh, a few people reached out. So if you're one of those people who reached out to me and you enjoyed it, Doug, I really appreciate your feedback as well. Uh, a few people said that the Smart Risk workbook wasn't up. I will be fixing that. Doug, I know you emailed me about that. I will have that taken care of. I'll get Giselle on that. So here's what happened. I showed up. I did the speech. It was a success. The organizer was happy. The person who was part of the group who was organizing it, who introduced me to the organizer, Nicole, uh, uh, Lisa is the one who introduced me and connected me with the organizer, Nicole. They were really happy. I showed up, I delivered, and Nicole, who is the organizer, told me that I set a new bar for the level of speaker that they're going to have at their future events. And she's done a bunch of these before. So I, I re that was an amazing compliment. I mean, what can you say about that? Of course, although this was my first keynote speech, I have given a few talks before, a few speeches before. I gave one in March. I've done some other things and I've been doing this podcast. And I'll tell you, doing... It, doing these interviews over 200 now, if you count the ones that are no longer up, right? And the uh, over 150 solo episodes, think about how much time has gone into me crafting and learning how to deliver, learning how to communicate better. Not including the five months of improv acting, the Toastmasters classes and the public speaking courses that I took. So a lot went into it, but I showed up, I, I took care of business. I, I received some great feedback. I'll probably end up sealing some other speaking deals and some corporate wellness consulting deals as a result. But let me tell you how it got to that point because all was not well before I left. In fact, it was super stressful. At the beginning of the year, I got into two car accidents. One, someone hit me from behind. The other, hit, someone hit my car while I was parked at a client's house, while a client's building, sorry, while I was training someone. And then they took off. So I, had, I was fighting with insurance companies and my car has been giving me problems. And oh man, it was just so, such a mess leading up to the speech. And the first lesson I want to talk about is having the right focus, having the right mindset. Because if I would have let all the nonsense that I was dealing with, with the other insurance companies, other people's insurance companies, and then I filed through Geico, my own insurance company, and Geico was trying to run me around and 
and cost me $300 more because it took Alma, my insurance adjuster, to get out there two weeks over uh, uh, two weeks after I, I delivered my car to the shop to get fixed. And she wanted to charge me for the rental car. And I got into a big fight about it. Uh, and well, actually, that this will be for another podcast if you're interested. It wasn't really a fight. I was very strategic about the way I approached her and put pressure on her. But I wasn't going to pay 300 bucks for someone else's mistake, especially when I pay my insurance uh, monthly, right? That, that's for another podcast lesson. But I had to stay focused. All this stuff was falling apart around me. And that was just the insurance that I'm talking about. I had other things going on as well. Uh, some, some financial issues and some other things that we got to do our taxes. And I had to stay focused because if I didn't do a good job, I wouldn't have increased my potential to get more business. And I want you to be able to do the same thing. I want you to be able to keep that Zen-like focus on what is truly important, what you need to prioritize, to focus on. Because the number one thing for me was to knock that speech, to hit a home run. So knock it out of the park is what I was going to say. That was the main priority. And if I would have let anything affect that, affect my ability to practice or to affect my, to get me in a bad mood. So I showed up and did a shoddy job, man, I would have ruined everything for me. Or maybe it would have just been okay, but it, it turned out to be a big hit. So that was the, that's the first lesson I want to share with you because I, I feel like I don't share some of the struggles sometimes. And that it's all like, hey, man, everything's awesome. You guys out there, I hope you're doing awesome. But I'll tell you what, I am awesome. Everything's going my way. I've got no problems at all. I'm so happy and excited. And it's not like that. It's a complete mess most of the time. But you just have to learn how to focus in the storm. And as you learn how to do that and as you take consistent action, things get better. So the second thing I want to say is, Wow, traveling changes your perspective and you need to make sure you travel more often. For example, I flew last Tuesday into Philadelphia Airport and I drove two hours out to Hershey, Pennsylvania, which by the way, Hershey, Pennsylvania is that Hershey, the birthplace of, well, probably not the birthplace, but the headquarters of the Hershey Corporation who makes Hershey's milk chocolate and Hershey's kisses and all the other brands that they have under that Hershey umbrella. And as I was driving out, because Philadelphia, if you haven't been there, and I'll talk about it a bit later, but it's a very industrial city, not very pretty. It's got some, it's got quite a bit of traffic in it. And I hit some traffic on the way out and uh, we, we finally made it past that and then got out into the country and it was just like, whoa, I had never seen a place like that before. And I've traveled quite a bit in the U.S. and, and around the world even, but, but quite a bit in the U.S. Hershey, Pennsylvania, I've never been to a place like it. As we started getting out there, you saw farms. I mean, like real farms. I grew up in the Redlands for my high school years in Miami, in South Florida. 
And we've got farms out there. There's people with horses out there and cows even. But this was next level. It was like something out of a movie or a picture was these these farms. And it was just a very relaxed environment. And also they had a lot of history. And I'll tell you, the guy who created the Hershey company, Milton Hershey, he's got an amazing story. And I, I, if you're an American like I am, you grew up eating Hershey's Kisses and Hershey's Milk Chocolate and all the other things that, you know, we shouldn't have too much of, but had too much of in our childhood. And it was an incredible, I, I never thought about the story behind it or the person behind it. And it's an inspirational story. Milton Hershey built the biggest chocolate factory in the United States. And his business was wildly successful. And he wasn't a chemist or technical, technically inclined person or, or formally educated as a technical person. Yet he came up with this amazing recipe for milk chocolate. And although we're about health and fitness and organic food and nutrient-dense whole foods here on the Legendary Life Podcast, the fact is that it's a cool story. And you know what? Uh, one thing I'll tell you about a bit later, but consumption of milk chocolate is down and dark chocolate is up. And dark chocolate is a superfood as far as I'm concerned. It, it, it's, it's awesome stuff. So back to Milton Hershey. He was a visionary. This guy saw the tough situations that industrial or that workers in the industrial age were going through. And this is like the late 1800s, early 1900s. And what he decided was to move out into the country and create this town called Hershey, this city called Hershey. And he would make houses for his employees and he would sell the houses to the employees so they would own their own house. They would have plenty of recreational areas so that they could play and have fun and unwind from their factory jobs. And he also created a school called the Milton Hershey School, I guess. I forget already, but he created a school. And initially it was only for orphaned boys because Milton Hershey and his wife never had kids. He was very, uh, he wanted to do something. Since he couldn't have kids, he, he gave this gift to the community. And now they've opened, opened it up to not just boys, but girls as well. It's co-ed now. And uh, it's, it's a school for not just orphans, but underprivileged children. And that's not just poor kids per se, but if, if there's a mom who has a kid and they're struggling, they can go to the school and it's a great school. I drove by it. I didn't get to go to it, but it looked amazing. It was, the architecture, the size of it, it was simply amazing. And the best part is that it will run forever just on the success of the Hershey company. So there's no donations needed no charity needed. And I was just super impressed by the story. And everybody I met and asked about Milton Hershey, the Hershey legacy is they had nothing but positive things to say. And part of the legendary life, the other word that comes to mind is legacy. 
And it was such a cool thing to see how this guy left a legacy that people still talk fondly about him. In fact, there's a Hershey Museum, which Giselle and I went to. We went to Chocolate World, which is where we where, where they have all this chocolate and show you. Uh, we went on this ride that showed you how chocolate was made. And we got some organic dark. Or actually, it wasn't organic. It was just dark chocolate, but premium quality dark chocolate good stuff. So it was just amazing. And I would have never known about that, never thought about that, never exposed to that type of environment or that story had I not traveled. So I want to ask you, what are you doing to get out there to see the world? And it doesn't take much. I tell you, you can even go to the next state, perhaps even the next city over and see a completely different world. And that was just while we were in Hershey. That was just a couple days. The one day that we spent in Hershey, right? The two days, actually, that we spent in Hershey. I, I drove in Tuesday, went to bed Tuesday night, uh, had the talk on Wednesday, and you know, spent a, spent a little bit of time sightseeing on Thursday. And then we drove to Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is never a place that I would consider like, oh, wow, I really got to go to Philadelphia. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It just wasn't on my hit list of places to visit, like New York or San Diego, L.A. So uh, so it just wasn't on that list. Chicago just wasn't on that list. But let me tell you, Philadelphia is amazing. I had my picture taken at the museum steps where Rocky, that famous scene from Rocky, was shot. By the way, the, the the steps aren't that that mid. That I wasn't. I was like, all right, man. You know, you'd have to run up these quite a few times if you're getting in shape for a fight, for a boxing match. But it made for a great movie and a great part of a, a movie that's left an impact on the American psyche, on American culture. So we got our we got our pictures taken, Giselle and I, by the Rocky Monument. We went inside. The Museum of Art was fascinating. Now, they've got all this stuff like pottery and plates and cutlery and rugs and pictures, paintings. And I, to be honest, I'm not really into that stuff. It's like people having a picnic, a painting of people having a picnic or a painting of a, a self-portrait or things like that I'm, I'm, or, or a portrait. I'm not really into that. Uh, I think it's okay, and, and I appreciate the skill, but I like things that are cooler, I guess, or at least cooler than me. So we ended up seeing Pablo Picasso's, like the real deal Pablo Picasso, and Pablo was into that abstract, I forget what it was called, cubism, I guess, but he was into very abstract art, and uh, it was super cool. So we got to see some like legendary pictures, legendary paintings. They also have a whole section on armor. So we got to take pictures of all these Germanic and uh, English and Italian and other European suits of armor and weapons and shields and helmets. It was, it was intense and you could see the history and wow, it's like hundreds of years of advanced battle because these guys the, if you see the armor it's it's pretty advanced looking the way it has to all work together the mechanics of the armor and still allow you 
to protect you but allow you to move. It, it was pretty impressive. There was also the Asian art exhibit where we saw uh, sculptures of of uh, you know sculptures of these protective deities. I forget what they're called, uh, but they're a type of dog, and they're like these spirit warrior dogs that protect your house and you put them on either side of your uh, opening uh, either side of your doorway. And we saw some other things and just, I would have never known that about Philadelphia is the point I'm getting at. And let me tell you the museum there, it's incredible. And I'm not like a guy who's like, Oh, let's go to the museum. I'm more of like, okay, well I'll check it out. Let's see what's, what's up there. And it was incredible such a, a culture shock, such a paradigm perspective and perspective shift. So make sure you're getting out there. Make sure you're getting out of your routine, getting out of your environment and seeing something different. And uh, I learned some some communication lessons as well. And and the the third thing I want to talk about is is some of the communications lessons. So when I showed up to the new event, the Network of Executive Women, where I was going to give my keynote presentation, instead of just like schmoozing with no real intention behind it, just making chit-chat, I, I asked questions and listened to the women who I'd be speaking to later that evening. And uh, it was in, a, by the way, it was in this it was in the Hershey Country Club, which is a very, very nice upscale club. And it was catered by the club and the food was amazing. Unfortunately, like the food was there before the speech and then it disappeared afterward. There, there wasn't a lot left afterward, but it was amazing. But during that time before, and by the way, there was, it was an open bar and I didn't drink anything. I was, uh, I was a good boy. I, I don't have caffeine or, uh, I don't have caffeine or alcohol before I go do something like that. I, I want to be my best and, uh, alcohol and caffeine kind of throw you off. So anyway, I was walking around, I was talking to people and I was asking them questions and listening. And one woman was talking to me about, she was getting her M she had a master's degree already. She was getting her MBA and she was talking about like, Oh, uh, taking more risks. And she did some martial arts before she, she took Taekwondo. And during the presentation, I mentioned her during the presentation. It just came to me because I was in such a flow state when I gave the presentation, but also because I was open beforehand and listening to people, actively listening. I also connected with Roberta, who is a big shot there, and Nancy, who's like one of their uh, national leaders. And she actually doesn't even go to some of these smaller events because it was only maybe a hundred, somewhere in between 100 and uh, 200, 150 to 200 people there. But I connected with her. I asked her, what is your, what would be your ideal result from the new attendees listening to me speak. And she said, well, I want them to take action. I don't want you, them to just listen to you. I want them to take action. So I tried to make it more interactive. And I even spoke to Nancy during the speech. 
And that's all because I tried to connect with them beforehand, with the attendees beforehand, whoever they were, and tried to get really into their mindset, tried to really understand them. And that's in part while why I got such glowing reviews. It's not that I'm so smart or good looking or in shape or well-spoken or entertaining. I mean, I'd like to hope um, I, I, I'd like to hope that I'm all those things, but it was because I was really connecting with them. And I want you to ask yourself, do you really connect to people? Do you listen to them so you better understand them? And then do you use that information in your future communication with them? So you sh- not only do you listen and you learn from them, but you you exemplify, you show, you demonstrate that you've heard them and you've understood It's powerful. Man, I can't tell you how powerful that is. Another thing I want to tell you about communication is I learned a communication lesson from a homeless guy. Actually, a couple of homeless guys in Philadelphia. And let me tell you something about Miami homeless people. And you know what? I care about homeless. It really breaks my, I'm a, I'm a softie when I see that, when I see someone on the street, it really kind of breaks my heart, even though I know some of them kind of keep themselves there while others just were really stuck and they, they would like something different, but don't know how. But that said, Miami, Miami homeless people, when they ask you for something, either they're complete, completely like mentally ill, or they're very like, you know, they, their communication skills aren't aren't the best. For example, if they ask you for a dollar, it'll be like this. Hey, yo, hey, 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 you got a dollar? It'll be something like that. And you're like, man, come on. There's nothing like, really? It's more of like almost trying to intimidate you or do something. And it's just like, okay, I ain't giving you anything, man. That's not any, that's, there's no value in that. And uh, I've got nothing to say right? Just have nothing to reply to that with. However, I was walking the first, the first morning in Philadelphia, and this was uh, Thursday morning. Uh, no, I sh- sorry, Thursday night. And we were walking and this guy, he, I didn't know if he was homeless or not. He was sitting on, on the side of the street in a chair. And he popped out of his, I was walking with Giselle and he popped out of his chair and he said, Hey man, let me ask you a question. I was like, no, man, I'm good. We're, we're just heading that way. I tried to blow them off. Right. And I'm really good at blowing people off, but something about the way he's like, hold on. Yeah. Okay, cool, man. But let me just ask you a question. How'd you get to be such a lucky man to, to, to land a woman like this? Right. And he said it in a way that I'm like, well, you know, I, I did what I had to do. I'm in Miami. I learned a little Portuguese, follow Portuguese, como vai você, do the bang. You know, I learned a little Portuguese and I met, you know, I I worked on my game and, you know, you just got to put it out there. And uh, he was like, yeah, well, he he was just complimentary and making a conversation, right? After, After making the compliment. And then at the end, he's like, man, you know, can you just help me out with a dollar? We gave him a couple bucks because he was smooth in his delivery. And I'm probably not doing a great impression of him, 
because it's been like it's it's been like a, it feels like a world away now after going through that. But in a it just really got me to say, hey, you know what? That guy, that guy had something. He had the gift of the gap. He can't, he was, he was very, he put me at ease at first when I thought he was going to get aggressive because that's what a lot of people do. They get aggressive when they don't get their way. He was cool with it. And then he gave me the compliment, started a bit of conversation. And then he asked for something in the end. So he came giving value first, right? Because if you give someone a sincere compliment, because Giselle was dressed looking good, <laughs> then you're like, oh man, you know, you, it, it was just, he's, he did it in a way that was very compelling. So he got what he wanted at the end. And he started by giving though. He didn't start by just thinking about himself and it was a lesson. It was, it stuck out to me because I blow people off all the time. I'm really good at it. I blow people off. I blow homeless people off or people who just are kind of uh, annoying and obnoxious. And I blow them off all the time. But this guy, I, I, I tried to blow him off and he hung in there and I was about to blow him off again. And then he just kind of disarmed me. And he, he's got the gift of the gab. He's got, he's smooth. And uh, it was, that was a lesson for me. It was a lesson. So how good are you putting people at ease? Do you react negatively or aggressively or do you take things personal? That's a question you should ask yourself. And if the answer is yes, then that's something you got to work on. You got to be smoother in your communication throughout with everyone in your life. And I'm not saying if someone's being aggressive towards you to not stand up uh, and, and, don't let anybody cross over boundaries. But if you're just going out, you're going about your day or you're trying to get something accomplished and you're doing that through your communication skills, make sure you're a bit smoother. Make sure you're disarming. Make sure you understand where the other people are coming from. It's going to help you a lot. And I, that, that lesson was driven home by a homeless guy. So you can learn something from anybody. So the next lesson I want to talk about is how I used exercise, in other words, health and fitness, to dial in my presentation. A lot of people were asking beforehand, hey, are you nervous? In fact, Giselle was really nervous and she, she was nervous about me potentially being nervous. And the day of the speech, I felt a little bit off. And I had had some coffee that morning and I usually don't drink coffee. Uh, I definitely don't drink it right before I do a presentation, but I don't even drink it usually on the morning of the days that I give presentations. And the reason is caffeine stays in your system for a long time. And you may not know it until you're put in a situation that spikes your adrenaline. So I had half a cup of coffee in uh, the, the Marriott that we were staying in. And by the way, I had my travel and my hotel paid for and my car paid for. I mean, they took such good care of me and it's, uh, it set a whole, I set a new standard for speakers for them, but they set a, set a standard for me about how I want to be treated when I go and speak at places. But back to feeling off because of that half cup of coffee and not to mention the whole flight in 
and the stressful drive out into Hershey, which uh, became nice eventually, but it was stressful getting out of the Philadelphia. Anybody who lives there will tell you it's a lot of traffic. It's congested. People aren't people are nicer there than Miami, but that's not saying much. It's not saying a lot, is it? So, and by the way, no, I did not have any road rage incidents. So back to the exercise thing, I knew to get rid of that anxious feeling, I had to go hit some exercise. So what did I do? I went into the gym and I focused on cardiovascular exercise. I did 10 minutes of a warm up on the elliptical machine in the 120 to 150 range. I got off, then I did some other, I did some push-ups and some squats and some bicep curls because in every Marriott, they have the same setup. They've got some cardiovascular machines and some dumbbells all the way up to 50 pounds. So I did some weights, not too much. And then I got back on and did a little bit of interval training. I did uh, interval training where I did about 15 seconds hard and then backed off for 45 seconds. So nothing too intense because if I would have killed myself with the workout, uh, yeah, sure, I would have gotten a great workout, but it would have fried me for the rest of the day, and I didn't want that. I wanted this workout to improve my mood, to make me more relaxed, to get me in the right state of mind, so I combined aerobic exercise with strength training to cause that to happen. And I'll tell you, by the time... I got to the country club where I was going to be doing the key, keynote presentation. I was, it was smooth sailing. I was, I was not nervous at all. Sometimes I'll be a little edgy talking to people beforehand, but I didn't feel that at all. I felt relaxed. I felt calm. I felt confident. And then I knocked my speech out of the park. I, I was feeling a little bit nervousness slash excitement, a little tiny bit. Uh, and when I, when I say little tiny bit, what I mean is, Hmm, am I going to need to have a couple of sips of water? So my throat doesn't dry out. My, my heart wasn't pounding or anything like that, but I felt like, okay, I need to make sure I'm up there and not like, uh, getting dry mouth <laughs> because, uh, that's not good. You, you want a smooth presentation. So I wanted to make sure I was, I was okay in that regard. Uh, but, but I felt I f it was smooth sailing and it I got so much great feedback and everybody wanted to take a picture with me and they put it up on social media and I have a bunch of new friends and friendly acquaintances now. Met some really cool people. Met some women who were in the prime of their career. I met women who were coming up in their career and I met emerging leaders and uh, there were a bunch of college, uh, female college students there that were part of this women's leadership group. So it was just a great group to be around. But it, what helped me keep my composure during all that was the exercise. And so many of us think about exercise as a way of losing some pounds or building muscle or whatever. But I want you to think about exercise as a way to optimize your mood, optimize your state so that when you're in a stressful situation or what could be a potentially stressful situation, you're not stressed at all. Why? Because you've, you've addressed your physiology with movement, with exercise. 
And that was a key takeaway right there. And the last thing I want to say, the last lesson I want to talk about is I learned that, wow, if I do this, if this becomes a big part of my career, which it will be, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to uh, get some travel hacking going because I ate way too much dessert. I ate uh, way too much food, way too much dessert. Oh, by the way, I had what's been called the, the America's best sandwich, which is at Tommy DeNick's. And it's a Italian style pulled pork sandwich with sharp provolone, broccoli rob on a hoagie bun. And it was amazing. And it's been featured on the Food Network and America's Best Sandwich, which is apparently a show. So said great things about it. And it won like the best sandwich of America award or something like that. It was really good. So I was off my diet. Now, the lesson two, there's almost two lessons in this lesson, right? The first lesson is, you know what? I was having fun. I was off my sleep hygiene. I drank some alcohol. I ate some food that I don't, I only had one drink, by the way. Uh, I had one McAllen 12 when we went out to celebrate after my presentation, I took uh, Nicole and Lisa out who both Nicole organized the talk or organized the presentation. And then Lisa is the one who connected me with Nicole. And she's on that. Uh, she's on that board who puts on the event as well. But Nicole was a head organizer. So I, I, we spent some time, Giselle and I spent some time with them, but it was just an amazing time. But it taught me that Number one, it's important to go off your diet and just kind of let loose and live a little. And I, I only worked out one time and it was on the day that I did the presentation. So I went, I'm usually at five or six times a week. Now I told you what I'm doing. I'm not doing a real intense training. It's body weight style. It's, I'm not huffing and puffing or feeling like I'm dying and I have to be careful because of my neck, my, my three herniated discs in my neck, but I usually work out a lot and I only worked out one day and I was off the, the workout plan. I was off my diet and it was okay. It wasn't a big deal. In fact, I thought, man, when I get back to working out, it's probably going to be pretty tough, but my, my past couple workouts this week have been awesome. It's Tuesday as I'm doing this today. I'm doing this right before I go out to my Toastmasters meeting tonight. I'm not speaking, but I'll be evaluating someone else. And I was, I've was i been really strong on my workouts. So a week off is not a bad thing. A week off the exercise program, not a bad thing. A week off the diet, not terrible, terrible. But it did teach me, hey, if I do this a lot, because that will be where I'm going, where I'm traveling frequently, and doing corporate wellness consultations as well as speaking events because that's what I want. I want to travel. I want to do speaking events. Not only do I get paid more for it, but I love the excitement, the newness, the novelty, the the 
the next level that you reach when you become a speaker and, and you're networking and speaking and it's just amazing. So I'm going to be, uh, by the way, I feel for you, if you're traveling, if you have to travel a lot for work, I feel for you. And I will be coming up with some travel hacks so that you can stay in shape on the road as well as take care of your health. Because man, after a week of eating in restaurants and eat, you know, every meal when you're on the road, I was beginning to feel terrible. I, I was thinking to myself, this is way too much. And I wasn't even drinking. I only had that one drink and I still felt bad. So I feel for you if, on, if you're on the road a lot, I will come up with some strategies. I did do the healthy snacking. I brought my beef jerky and some nuts on the way there. But while I was there, there wasn't exactly a Whole Foods to run out to in Hershey, Pennsylvania, as you can imagine. And uh, there was a lot of Hershey's chocolate and ice cream. So we're not able to get what we need sometimes. So that was a lesson that I learned. And I, I'm interested if you have any tra travel hacks to stay healthy on the road. Uh, maybe we can compare notes. And the last thing I want to say, and then I'm going to wrap this up because it's going on longer than I thought, but I wanted to get all this out. I, I, you have been with me on this experience to get to this point. And it was a huge success, a huge victory, not just for me, but for everyone who was part of the event. It was just awesome to be a part of it, but a huge victory for us at Legendary Life. And uh, so, so the last thing I want to leave you with is join our Be The Change movement. Go to the Legendary Life Facebook page, the link is on there, or you can email me at ted at legendarylifepodcast.com and we can set you up in the Be The Change group. It's a free group and it has to do with the goal setting we were talking about. Writing down your goals, sharing them with supportive people, and then having those supportive people hold you accountable. So how are you doing with your goal setting? Are you crushing it? I'm on my way. I've done, I've signed up for three speaking gigs. I need two more to accomplish my goal of getting five speaking gigs. I think I'm going to be able to do that pretty easily. So how are you doing? And if you're not doing as well as you'd like, join the group. Again, go to the Legendary Life Podcast uh, Facebook page. Just type in Legendary Life or, or type in Ted Rice or you can email me at ted at legendarylifepodcast.com and let's get you in the group. Let's support each other. Let's share our goals and let's make it happen together. That's what I'm going to leave you with and I'll talk to you next time.